Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Welcome to Hockey Central at noon here on Sportsnet 960. Peter Klein, I, I believe Kelly Kirsch and uh, Logan Gordon with you today. 60 minutes of hockey talk to kick off the afternoon. Uh, I am in my, uh, as always described, uh, the palatial estate here in an undisclosed location in Calgary. Uh, back at the iconic studio powered by Iconic Electric and Controls is Logan Gordon. Logo, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good, PK. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, do we have the the third member of our uh, our team in there? We do. We're just working on some uh, some technical aspects, and uh, he will join ah. us shortly. All right. Well, while we are working on that, let's bring in our Flames insider, Peter Lubardius. Flames insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you today? I'm I'm just uh, I'm excellent. You know, I uh, actually enjoyed watching a baseball game last night, and <laughs> after about an hour, I really wasn't even that stressful. I I didn't really know what to do with that game last night at, at about six one. I tried to find every single way at how it might still not work out, but. Uh, you know, for, for Lou, a were you a little game. nervous in the first when he was bouncing them on the? On oh the... yeah, oh yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. Listen, listen. My routine is pretty simple, although I'm I'm way better at it now. So, I you know, you go through your kind of daily routine and some of the things doing my head, and then it gets to be about you know out out this way seven thirty last night, and you turn on the TV and. So then I go downstairs and I start pacing around a little bit. And then I take a seat, you know, for the first pitch and um, try to breathe my way through it. But you're right. The uh, first half inning was was a little on the tricky side. Uh, you know, base, baseball's funny, guys, in the sense that, and, and it's what I love about it, but it also makes it a little difficult in the sense that I think playoff baseball is so great in its own respect because every pitch matters and and it can turn games and you know it's very very much that way in nature so you know when you're in a tight game it's you know and last night actually wasn't bad I think it was about what 320 or 330 but when it's when it's four hours of biting your nails and wearing holes and rugs and pacing around it's like it's a good workout though well plus it starts a little later for you out there like we yeah but that's fine I'm at six or so, you got to wait for two more hours. I do, I do. But you know what? The older I get, Kelly, um, uh, I've gotten just way better at uh, a. It probably, especially with with the Dodgers, doesn't quite mean what it used to twenty or thirty years ago. So that's good. And and now it's you know I know I'm better prepared for these big games. And the good thing for me is, and I I don't know if I've ever shared this, but you know, the worst sporting loss of my existence was the Vikings loss to Atlanta in 1998. And Gary Anderson, if you're listening, I've finally forgiven you. He, he might he be listening. He's out in Canmore, I know he's in he? Canmore. I know. I know. I know. Um, and he would have just as soon made that 39-yarder. Um, however, like, I didn't want to talk to anybody for two weeks. The other time that that really hit me and you guys – you know, I mean, the young guys, they certainly won't remember. But 
the Dodgers, you know, had a pretty good run. And in 1985, they were playing the St. Louis Cardinals. And Tom Needenfear was the Dodger reliever. And I was working at Estevan. And Kelly, we didn't even have a TV in the newsroom. We didn't. So they we probably had to, still like, don't. Well, you might uh, you might have a point. No, I've been back. <laughs> it's not quite the same. When I started, they didn't even have a fax machine. We we ran off teletype. You guys can't even really describe that. But Jack Clark hit a sixth inning home run um, in in the bottom of the, like the tenth inning that ended, or in the top of the tenth at Dodger Stadium. And again, I was uh, I was not a very happy camper for couple weeks now now i have the two hour rule yeah leave me alone for two hours and let it go and then let it go well i had to uh and and klein will understand this logan will seethe but when the uh the old 13th man thing happened over at mcmahon oh, stadium man. i didn't i didn't get to see that i had to go on the radio and do a post-game show i was <laughs> super sour like just i hated everything I hated every caller. Oh yeah, every oh, every yeah. clip of audio oh, yeah. the guys sent. I'd find something wrong with. I it. was in the end zone stands with six of my family members from Saskatchewan, who made the trip out to enjoy the game oh. in Calgary with us, and the car ride home was dead silence. There was not a word. Thank you, Jason Armstead. Just to round it all out, I happened to be working at a three-letter network that might have been the rights holder at the time, so I got to work on their post-game show and see literally oh. every angle of all of that that played out. And then the Jason Claremont slamming his helmet down, Chris Zarka crying out of the locker room. So I got all of that for about three hours after. That was great. Oh, my goodness. Good times. <laughs> oh, my God. You, you, know what, you, know, you know what's fascinating, though, guys? Um, and I'm glad because we're at a point on the show where why wouldn't we have a conversation like this anyway? Um, isn't it crazy how the big losses stay with you far longer than I think, for the most part, we get great enjoyment out of the wins? Yeah, why is that? Because we're not yeah. talking about, you know, 2013 or 1989 or, or whatever. I remember when we had uh, Josh working here and the Cubs finally won. <laughs> I guess he was gone by then, but... It's it's funny. You just remember all the just heartaches oh. of where you were and how bad it was. And if a guy, you know, loses it on on the last play of the game or a bad goal, it just that that's just maybe that's because we're passionate. And and it it's one of the things you want, one of the things you wanted to talk about, Lou, and it's going to tie in perfectly. Is you know Flames fans and and where it fits. And it, I I found it really interesting to start thinking about that and you start thinking about the people that have been associated with the team for so long and people have been in Calgary for so long and a lot of people obviously moved to Calgary and and then become kind of into the flames and the one thing that usually makes uh, a team kind of part of the fabric of the community is a long playoff run we saw that in 2004 that was a long time ago but, Lou, you lived in a bunch of different cities. Where where do you come out on, on where the Flames fit and kind of that uh, the community f- fabric of, of, of this city? Well, you know, and, and I take my cues from you, Kelly, and, and all the intel that we get. You know, on a sports radio station, um, there is absolutely no question, you know, why we talk about the Calgary Flames basically every day. Um, that from obviously the intel and the feedback is why people turn to us. And there, 
There's no doubt. And I think it's even taken another step in the sense that, you know, and, and as a massive sports fans, a massive sports fan of all levels, like sometimes to be frank, gents, it concerns me a little more that we seem to be in this age where it's only one team and that all our time and energy and focus goes into like the big team in our city. Now, maybe it's always been that way to a certain extent, um, but you know, it's a great subject because needless to say, I mean, um, I can't, I would never be upset at everyone loving the Calgary flames. It's how I make my living um, pays the bills. But, but it's interesting to me, and the reason I threw it out as a topic today is I'm always just trying to learn what moves the needle for, you know, for the sports fan. What, why, why have we gotten to the point where, you know, it seems like that team, that one team is, is where we put our, our passion and energy and we can't know enough. Um, because at least for me personally, it's different. But it's always been different. Yeah, I I have a, a story that I think will be fun to share. I've I've said it at a few listener panels, and I'll say it on the air now. This was a few years ago, and and uh, Rob Kerr and I were kicking around like doing. We used to do online surveys. We still do actually. And uh, middle of summer, like July, August, you know, free agency's long over, uh, dog days of summer, and so I did a survey, and I got like. 1,500 responses or something like that. And I said, what is the one sport 960 is not covering enough this summer? This summer is what I said. And I put them all on there. Like, I, you, you, you name it, I put it on there. And I also put Flames slash NHL hockey. And what was number one by a mile? Exactly. I know what it was. Exactly. Yeah. It was hockey. People wanted more and more and more hockey. And that's... I, I think guys maybe, you know, living in the city and, and being in, in sports radio like we have, the thing I've noticed is obviously NHL hockey and Flames hockey is massive, and, it, and it's one of the same. Everybody follows it. They have, maybe they're not a Flames fan, but they know the NHL, and that, that group is huge. I think this city as a sports-consuming city is very event-orientated when it comes to non-Flames sports. People will get into the Hitman when they're on a playoff run. When the Roughnecks were doing their uh, their championship run there, uh, it was incredible. And I, w- I wasn't even in the city when, when they won their last championship, but I just saw on social media, it's like, this is nuts. That saddle dome must be absolutely crazy. So I, I don't know, uh, PK, if, if you've seen it that way, but that's what I've seen it where it's, and if the Stampeders get hot and then the Grey Cup, for sure, everybody will be into it. Is everybody going to be into it in July when they're playing Ottawa here? Eh, maybe not. But what, how do you see it? No, I see it the same way. And coming from a, a fighting perspective, the, the UFC gets talked about a little bit for major pay-per-views. But then when the UFC is in Calgary, it's all anyone talks about for a week. And there is, I think, a lot of that. And I think to, to Lou's point about how like your team kind of becomes the, the only thing you focus on, I think one of the reasons for it um, is how accessible it all is now. Like there was a time where you could only get to watch 30 Flames games because that's all that was on. And it sounds crazy to even say that. Um, but I think now because you can just focus on your team, 
it, it's a little bit easier to fall into that my team first mentality when, when it was, well, tonight it's Philadelphia against Buffalo on TV. I guess I'm watching Philadelphia against Buffalo. You, you kind of had to, to broaden things a little bit, but now that you can just focus on your team all season long and watch all 82, I think it becomes a little bit easier to just focus on, on that. On any device too now, right, Pete? Like you Totally, can, you yeah, can, on the train. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. That's that's the weird part. I remember when, when I was way back when we were doing uh, Flames Hockey on, on 660, and, you know, so there would be a few on TV and, you know, Hockey Night in Canada, but there'd be a bunch in the middle of the week. So we had this old satellite dish and there's Jock Wilson trying to find some sort of feed to watch the game. So it would have some sort of semblance of what to talk about. It was it was crazy, but it, it has changed. And and Lou, you've, you've lived in other cities, too, so you've seen it. I, I remember uh, Kerr always says, like, in Calgary, we're really good sports consumers. Like, we'll go support things. We're in Edmonton. They're fans. They're fans no matter what. I don't know if that's just the the makeup of the two different cities, but I, I you know I don't know if that's how you feel about that. Well, you know what I do, but but I'm changing um, because I think so much of how things are consumed now um, almost unites everybody together, and that's why. That's why I always loved to, you know, have Peter and Logan in on some of these conversations. Um, you know, we talked a little bit last week. Um, I do. I think, I think in so many different situations, if it doesn't seem special or it's not an event or it's not, you know, perceived as the sexy place or, or the team that you should be all excited in, you know, people, whether it's through their convenience or maybe lack of investment. Um, listen, as, as a longtime sports fan, um, and needless to say, everybody knows that I love all levels of hockey. Like, I don't honestly get, and and I thought about asking the young guys this today, and I'm not I'm not trying to point fingers. That's not what it's about. This is about trying to learn. So you know, including our old buddy Robbie Kerr, who's trying to trying to you know when we get back to some kind of normal, which we know the whole world isn't, um, you know, why isn't there more inclination with an excellent product to attend Calgary Hitman games? Yeah. Y- you wonder about that. And, and, and uh, I thought you were going to go somewhere else. I thought you were going to say like the AJ, we, we have some really good hockey. That's very affordable all throughout Southern Alberta. And sometimes I kind of wonder, it's like, well, what what would it take for people to go? Like, what what else do you want? Like, it's a winning team. It's a great product. It's got incredible production. Uh, you know, it's like 20 bucks to go. Like, what's the deal? Right? And I know people in this town, uh, a lot of times will make excuses for things. And I guess everyone has their, their right to. No, and, to and, and it's yeah. in every town now. Yeah. Like, like, like that's, why, that's why for me, you know, Listen, I know Peter and Logan both well enough to know that, you know, they love sports and they're they're large connoisseurs of sports. Um, you know, but I also know in this day and age, you know, trying to learn, like we talked earlier, Kelly, this week about, you know, where betting might be going and, and the fantasy component of it and 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 the star nature of everything that we look at. I'll tell you what I'm missing more today than ever because for me it's what I like the most. 
I, I will trade every day of the week being at a live event over watching one on television. I just would. It's different. I have, I have more trouble now, and, and you're talking about a pretty large sports connoisseur, but not unlike some other people, you know, if I'm not really invested in it, to sit down in front of, you know, a three-hour ball game, like, day in and day out, like, it's funny. I, I miss live. I love live. I love watching live. I've learned more by doing that and, and you know, set myself on a pretty good path because of being in rinks and talking to people and literally watching games and watching practices. And to me, it seems very different now because yeah. it is. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that too, and I, I think, uh, and uh, Logan, you can jump in here. Um, the thing about sports on television, it's gotten so much better with high definition and now 4K and all these different angles and just the technology of the thing. Um, that's it's almost it's it's uh, its own worst enemy in some ways because it's like wow, this is really good. You you still can't get that live feel, but man, when you sit on your uh, in your man room with your leather couch and you got your drink and HD TV and a million different angles and you got your because I know all you guys watch the games with your phone in your hand because you're on Twitter and all that stuff like that's hard to beat isn't it Logan? it is it it certainly changed the the outlook of it and the aspect of it and you know the fact that you can get every game on your TV or your phone like you you you, you know you had to before, you know, maybe hope that you were in a regional area or, you know, something, the game wasn't blacked out or whatever, but you can get every game, you know, on your TV and you can have, you know, your own experience at home and they've set it up like that. I, I'm in the, the Peter camp of, you know, I'll never beat live sports. I don't get me wrong. As much as I love watching hockey on TV and, and I'll watch, you know, any day of the week, I'd still much rather be there and, and be a part of it and, and, you know, enjoy the atmosphere. But there is something to be said about, you know, how they're making, you know, the at-home experience everything it can be. And there's so much money in that for them through advertising and all that other stuff that, you know, comes through in these TV contracts that make it more appealing for them. So you're right. It's kind of a double-edged sword that way. Yeah, and also, I guess, not just watching from home, but, I mean, how many people go to, a you know, a sports bar wherever wherever you want to go and it's, it's a special event. I've done a, a million of them since I've been doing this format. Right. right? Like, I, I don't think yeah. I've ever watched the Super Bowl, like, from my house. Um, but it's – and that's that's part of it, too. And I don't know um, – you know, I was thinking about, like, you know, the, the arenas uh, with no people. And I thought, well, is there ever going to be a day where they're just going to play, like, the NHL and is on a soundstage? And I go, oh, God, I hope not, Lou. No, but again, you know, like it's, it's interesting. Like I, I'd love to organize a fan 960 hockey gathering. And you know what I want to do? I want to get a box at the Saddle Dome when we can do this again. I want to go to a Hitman game. And you know, there's only one rule. One rule. Okay. You know what the rule is? Okay, what's the rule? Two drink minimum. Oh, that's not No good. phones. You got oh, you got to turn them no off. No phones off. Oh, okay. Not even in the same room. You can't. You can't have your phone. You can't look down. 
You we have to have conversations with people? You'd have to, con- you, like, you, you would actually maybe have to, like, fully be all in on the game. So you'd have to I watch the game. I would love to have a night where, you know, we gather. Yeah, we, maybe we'd need, you know what? I'd actually be okay with a no drink limit because as the sober guy, I just get to learn more. Like, there's actually an <laughs> advantage to it. Yeah. So I'm not going to, and it's easy for me. I could do it tonight without a phone, throw it away. I don't want it. Let's just be at the rink together as a group of teammates. Okay. And I want to see that dynamic play itself out. Maybe we can get a sponsor for it. You know what we could do? It, like, I can just feel like PK starting to go into the fetal position right now. What, what do you mean, not my phone? What about you? Three hours? Are you crazy? And what we could do is we could give out the, the new iPhone from Rogers Wireless, right? Because, hey, there's a tie-in. Right. Now and, then, and, then the, and then the only other caveat is I get to give a 10-question quiz at oh, the end of the day, okay. which, would, oh, which, would also, which would also go hand-to-hand hand hand in the winner of the new phone. Okay. So you'd have, to, you'd have to pay attention. I don't and, test and, well. Okay. Uh, P- PK, would you be down for that, or would you be like in the corner hovering, wanting your phone back? Well, like I, I could bring like like a tablet or something. No, 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 no. No, no. no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. no there I, I, is no devices of any. You, you've <laughs> got, you've got, you've got fellowship, and you have a sporting event, and that's it. Yeah. No, I, I do think that would be legitimately a lot of fun. And I, I do Wouldn't try it be to neat? Don't you guys think that oh, would be kind of a neat night? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. The, I, I have found sometimes that, like, I just, I have to put my phone in another room if I'm watching, like, a Flames game or something and I'm, I'm checking Twitter too much. And there will be times where it's like, okay, this needs to go charge in the other room for a while because I'm not watching nearly enough of this. And that can happen quite a bit, I think. I, I think you're seeing more and more of that where people are doing both. It's 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 something else. I mean, listen, I don't want to throw the two women in my house under the couch, <laughs> or or in in the bottom of the basement. Right. But but we sit at home a lot of nights in this house watching whatever programs they want to watch. And sorry, you're not really watching because I'm watching you. And I'm the person who's not on my phone, and you both are. Yeah. Like, it's the, it's the way it, it goes now. Oh, yeah. But I think, I I mean, just, how much do you miss of that TV show? Or B, if you're sitting in, in, the, in a suite or the lower bowl, the, the Hitman versus Red Deer? Like, you can't, if you're in your, you got your face in the phone, there's no possible way you're seeing. No. The, the nuances of the penalty kill, of the power play, all that no. kind of stuff. I remember this was years ago, and uh, another Rob Kerrism. We did a did a thing where we had a, a thing for training camp, and it was the late Tom Webster was there, and he was explaining like what they're looking for in a scrimmage, and then we'd sent the oh, guys out beautiful. there. It was so cool. Um, one of the twins, the Sutters, was there too, and it was the and then we went. For dinner afterwards, it was a really cool thing, and it was like to hear like guys like that. This is like okay, well, you see a uh, a training camp, you know, uh, scrimmage. It's like you see a million of them, but there is a method 
to the madness, and there's certainly stuff they were looking for and finding out if guys couldn't do it. It was fascinating, Lou, and I, I think you mm-hmm. know, instead of maybe having your face buried in to see what you know somebody's saying on Twitter, you know, there could be a bot, you never know, it could be fake. Um, may, may, maybe we have a, a thing where we have experts kind of point things out, right? That, maybe that's a, uh, an addition to your, your plan for the Hitman Suite. Sure, sure. I'm. I listen. I'm. 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 I just. I've been thinking about it all the time. Just about how people consume, what's important to them, why they do certain things, and I would just. I would love to see a night where you know we all get together and you know you see who's invested, who isn't invested, who's learning, who isn't, and then we're gonna have a little quiz at the end of the night. Yeah. And I and I will say I've I've had the uh, the good fortune to watch uh, some hockey with former NHL players right next to me, and uh, whether it was Perry Berezin way back when, or Rhett Warner, or Corey Sarich, man, you see the game completely different with those guys. It's it's maybe, maybe we got something here, Lou. Maybe we're gonna do this. You know, right. this COVID well, thing's listen, gonna be over. The, the bottom line is I have as strong of an opinion as anybody. But I'm the first to say on this show or anything, I've been going to hockey school my whole life. Yeah, that, true that. And you just enjoy you it. Know, you don't the come more. up with certain feelings necessarily about players and, and why guys can do things or why they can't. Like, sorry, that doesn't, I can look that stuff up. But again, I say this a lot. You know, we're in a place now, thanks to smartphones, where you know, a lot of people can tell you what. We could use a little more of tell you why. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, tomorrow, uh, we didn't get to Derek Ryan. We didn't even get to Derek Ryan. No, we'll do it tomorrow. I'm uh, I'm on a course tomorrow, so it'll be you guys doing your thing. So Okay. Um, I know everyone's going to have their opinion, and everyone's, you know, everyone listening will have their opinion. But I think, you know, we, we had a really good chat about Sam Bennett guys yesterday, and I think Derek Ryan is one of those guys that's like, Hmm. Where does he fit in? Where do you think? What's the upside? All that kind of stuff. So maybe that's the conversation tomorrow. We'll let Lou kind of get ready for game two of the World Series, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow, Lou. Yeah, I'm feeling really confident about Tony Gonsolin against Blake Snow. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Okay, guys. Have a great one. Thanks for Teams uh, insider along. Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Kelly Kirsch, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon. Um, I, I got to tell you guys, we have the Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out virtual thing going on. And uh, we had some pizza delivered today, guys. And I, I, I thought ah, around 11 o'clock felt like lunchtime because I can't really eat at 12. And uh, Boom and J-Boy basically cleaned us out. And there was like a lot Stunned. of, like around 9 o'clock, there was a lot. And by 11, there was none. But I don't know what to make of that. Real surprised DeForest needed yeah. lunch for the rest of the week. Well, I mean, it, <laughs> it seemed like a lot for, for two guys to take. Jason DeForest, by all rights, should be 600 pounds. With the amount that he is able to put away, having worked side by side and seeing the food he can put away, uh, he it it's amazing. The, the, that cap, he, the, the asterisk free food. Yeah, he, he likes can the put free away. food. Right. He likes the free yes. food. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If he had to yeah. pay for it, he'd be skinnier than he is now. Yeah, <laughs> right. But if it was yeah, free point. food, 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but the, Fair the, point. the Eric Francis pizza pig out is gone virtual, and it goes uh, basically for the month of October. Uh, we, we can't go and have a good time with the Stampeders and the Flames and the Roughnecks, but we still want to raise money for kids' sports. So just go to the uh, the website, uh, Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out. Uh, go go check out the, the different vendors. Vote for your favorite. Uh, there's also an auction on there, too. So um, you might be able to bid on uh, Ryan's smoker, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't get to keep it. <laughs> That's the way that goes around here. But uh, always want to help out Kidsport as much as we can. Uh, Eric was on the air today. I I heard rumors there could be a pizza drop this afternoon. Whoa. But not for UPK. Oh, I could give you my address. Mm. It's the, no, I'm not on the air. That's right. Okay, we'll take a break. We'll reset. Uh, we'll we'll uh, replay. Uh, Chris Versteeg has become this interesting insider. We'll uh, replay a little bit of that conversation and also talk a little bit more about, uh, well, the big show's coming up. There's lots to talk about right here on Hockey Central at Noon. Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It is Hockey Central on a snowy Wednesday, and uh, we're a busy show. We've got the big show coming up at 1 o'clock. Game two of the World Series will go to uh, Texas at about 6 o'clock with uh, Dan Schulman and the crew to see what happens with uh, Tampa Bay and the L.A. Dodgers and then Thursday night football tomorrow. Uh, PK, uh, interesting with the Chicago Blackhawks, you guys talked about it a little bit yesterday where they sent uh, the Hawks sent out a letter to their season ticket holders and their sponsors and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't quite as throw in the towel as the New York Rangers letter. Uh, but it certainly was, you know, telling people, being straight with people, basically. And mm-hmm. and then I then I started thinking, you know, all those years my family were season ticket holders of the Riders. We, we didn't get a, a sorry <laughs> we're screwing this up again letter. That never came. Yeah. It was, well, it just went without saying for a while. <laughs> <It just laughs> like, shut yeah, up and give us your money. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. It, it was just a, a one one line like, hey. What else are you going to do? Next, exactly. So next just take year. the losses and move on. Next year, country. <laughs> but what did you think of a, of a team like Chicago who um, I, I thought they were full full marks. They, they kind of got into the playoffs by fluke and uh, did okay against the Oilers, and then that was that for them. But well, are you a little surprised, that we're, especially in a big you know sports market like Chicago where the competition is fierce from everywhere? Like They like winners in Chicago. Yeah, and the last time they went a long period of time without winning, the franchise was in dire straits and really needed the the Taves and Kane era to turn things around. But for Chicago, when when I saw that the other day, I was just kind of, well, yeah, because what what else are you going to do? This is the the financial situation for the team has it so that they can't really be overly competitive. They, they have missed the playoffs the last two seasons. Like you said, that they get in because they literally had better than 0% chance of making the playoffs when things pause. And then they out-experienced the Edmonton Oilers. But this still wasn't going to be a team that was one or two moves away from being competitive. So I had kind of thought they were already trying to rebuild on the fly with guys like Debrinket and uh, Kubalik and Doc. Alex Elander. Kirby Doc as well, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, I kind of thought they were in rebuild mode already and just going to see what you can do with $20 million tied up in two guys. But if you're full-on declaring a rebuild, I guess that kind of signals to those guys like, look, probably going to suck here for the rest of your contracts. Do you really want to be a part of this? That's, I think, the biggest change for me. 
Yeah, and where do they come out on that? We uh, we had a former Hawk on the radio today as uh, Boomer and Rhett and Ryan talked to uh, Christopher Stieg, and that's where Boomer kind of started the conversation. It's like, okay, what uh, what did you think of that letter? Well, when I read that letter, I didn't really hear a full rebuild, to be honest with you. I kind of heard we're going to keep going the way we are and we're going to keep inserting young guys into the lineup. And a lot of that stuff, a lot of the time, when you keep playing young players instead of proven veterans, sometimes it's a job security thing, right? So you're looking for, you know, you're hoping over time those young players can develop. And it's, it's a, to me, it's a job security a lot of the time. When you're playing young players, it's almost an easier excuse to say why you're losing rather than we go into a full rebuild, which they didn't say, which I would have liked them to say, this is going to be a full rebuild. It's now up to Kane and Taze and Keith to decide what they want to do and be transparent with them. So, again, when I read the letter, I didn't get full rebuild. Maybe you guys did, but I, that's what I saw anyways. It's kind of like they've been doing one anyway. I mean, that's aside from doing a, anyways, the whole a time, fluky exactly. little playoff format, they haven't won a playoff game in ages. They missed two years. They got swept by Nashville the year before that. They weren't going to make it this year. That's that's four years. That There's an RB right there. There's their rebuild. Well, that's what I'm saying. I wish the letter would have just said, we're going into a full rebuild. We will be transparent with our veterans. We will tell them and we'll give them an option what to do going forward. That's all you got to say in the letter to me. And then that's transparent, more transparent to your fans rather than saying, this is going to be, we're just going to keep playing young players and keep going the same way. It's not going to work. You can't keep doing what you've been doing the last four years. That's what they've been doing is playing young players, players who aren't ready, players who aren't filling roles, players who aren't gritty enough, who won't get in there enough to help the team win as a as the bottom-tier guys. So for me, it, it, they need to do a full rebuild. They need to do it. And whether that means Kane and Taze and Keith wanting to stay or move on, then that should be up to them. But they need to be transparent with them in that process. And for me, that letter wasn't any more transparent than what I knew prior to the letter. What's your read on how Stan Bowman has navigated with this team? Obviously, you his dad was instrumental, and it, he's, he was gifted a pretty good team with with uh, Kane Taves and the like. I get maybe let it, if you don't want to bring Crawford back, but to to say you're going with Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban and Ned, I, I'm not buying it. Uh, the sod trade they they bring in Matthias Janmark, which is kind of oh okay he's a he's an NHL player I guess just the work that's been done by Stan Bowman and even the last three four five years uh, the, the, none of the sod deals really worked out for them they lose Panarin just your read on his work well the the, the Janmark deal obviously uh, they're trying to get rid of money because Janmark's a poor man sod right but if you're looking at the entire picture from you know, 2010 and on to 2015, Stan's done a good job. Cued, they they did a good job, I think, um, probably staying away from each other and letting each other do their own business. Stan was bringing in good players. And I think once 2016 started, it, I mean, and Stan was probably trying to look ahead. So that's why he makes the Sod trade. That's why he makes the Jalmerson trade. And he was trying to get other younger players, so Sod back for Panarin that we're going to cost less money, that we're going to do maybe not quite the same at a cheaper cost. So I understood his critical thinking, but you also got to understand that Kane and Taze only had a, you know, they only have a certain few years left and they need to win now. So it is a cap era. I think the last few years, Stan's been trying to do the right thing. Some things have been good. Some things maybe not so good. Um, 
But yeah, the going forward now, just the the trade again and letting Crawford go, I can understand letting Crawford go to let other guys come in. And out of the goaltenders, Lankinen's the best goaltender out of them all. Um, and then Matt Tompkins might be the best goaltender out of those four. If you're putting uh, my two cents into there after being in the organization last year. Mm-hmm. So they have four goaltenders all vying for a position. I don't know if any of them will be starting goaltenders. There's a, there's an opportunity for them, but I, I don't mind what they're doing just as long as they're being transparent. I don't mind them rebuilding. That's, that's the thing. I think it's okay to rebuild. It's okay to go through the process again, but it is, you need to be transparent with those guys, the guys that have got you three Stanley cups and the guys that are going to be hall of famers and they're going to be in the game long after this. So you might need them when they're done hockey. So be good to them now and it'll be good to you later. They owe Brent Seabrook. Sorry, Ryan. I was just going to say they owe Seabrook 27 and a half million over the next four years. Uh, It's, it's almost looking like he's having a hard time even playing, let alone at a level that, that they're in here used to what's, how does this shake down? the way you see it with honestly I thought Seeds was doing fine he's he's never been an elite offensive guy and everyone looked at his foot speed but when you start to take a guy's ice time away and and he has slowed down a bit but when you start to take his ice time away where he's used to 22 to 24 minutes and he's playing 18 17 Rhett can attest to this too the confidence level drops and now all of a sudden they're playing young guys in penalty killing situations over Brent. Brent's never been a top line power play guy. He's always been second line power play. If he's even been on it with Q and, and these situations start getting taken away from him and they start to chip at your confidence. Your plays aren't as crisp. Your just everything you do. But when I watch Brent, he was playing fine. It's just, he was playing in a lesser role and that's where, yeah, it, it's frustrating probably for a fan now to see you're paying a guy seven and a half million over these next few years, even prior to this, that's not getting you heavy points or high point totals. But that's just been him the whole time. He's never got high point totals. He's never lit the lamp, and he's never been the top guy. But now his penalty killing is getting taken away. He's played against top lines. That was getting taken away. So that's got to tick a guy off, which I would be ticked off too, especially a guy that's done what he's done. And then you get the you get what you're getting now. You're getting a guy who's who looks like he's not confident, and he's probably angry. So what does this well, mean and, if you're going to go full rebuild? Sorry, Rhett. Like, what does that mean for Taves, Kane, and, and Seabrook's a little different because I don't know how easily you could move that. But the other two guys are still very much moving the needle and doing what you'd expect them to do. Like, if you're saying, I want a full rebuild, what does that mean, Chris? Are those guys on the block? Well, I think it's up to them, obviously, with the no move. And if, if I'm saying I want a full rebuild and you tell Kane and Taze that, the ball is now in their corner to do what's right for their careers. It's obviously they don't got to like it, but if you're being transparent and you're telling them the direction of the club and what Rocky Wirtz and the ownership wants to do, they would have to respect that. They don't have to be happy about that, but then it's up to them to do what's best for their careers. I don't know if that's what they want to do. I haven't talked to them about this. This is just purely speculative and looking at it from an outsider's position. But for me, I mean... If I'm Kane and I'm playing still at an elite level and you can pretty much pick and choose where you want to go and you're seeing a full rebuild, then maybe that might be the best case. Or Keith, Keith's still playing at a very high level too. Last year on the power play, they put Gustafson there all year last year and he got that taken away from him and playing against you know certain top lines and doing things. So 
those little things when I'm watching their games are getting taken away from players that can chip with the confidence. But once you saw uh, Keith get his game back in the playoffs and he was Gustafson was off the team and he was playing in those positions, you saw an elite defenseman again. Maybe not a top two or three defenseman in the world, but still an elite player who can play. So you can move his salary, you can move Hayes' salary, but it really is up to them whether they want to stay through the rebuild or if they want to go for what's best for their careers and their legacy. It takes away their voice in the dressing room, too, when guys stop losing that ice time. Like, you talk about Seabrook, and not only is he losing confidence on the ice, but now you're not as comfortable going into the room and talking to guys and having a leadership role in that room because you're not able to go out there and and kind of put it on the line. So that's a tough spot for those guys. A lot of work to be done. Yeah, that's a great point, 100%. You guys both would have probably been in that. Like, would you? Were you a vocal guy in the room, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't like a raw, raw always guy. I was joking around and trying to keep it light, but also know my time and space when to do it. But you're right. Like, especially at the start of my career, you play high minutes, and then once you start to play low minutes, um, after like probably six years in, I started to lessen my minutes, and that's where your voice. You're right. It becomes less magnified and, and and it's not as strong and your opinions aren't as strong and you're not as confident saying things so even in calgary at the end of my career it's you you still would like to tell guys hey wake up but also you're like man i haven't been on the ice in a half an hour so how am i telling this guy to wake up you know so but you also so that's kind of where i think at the last half of my career i also flipped from being more like a lighter guy just trying to keep guys light and happy even more than i did in the past so, yeah, it is. Your your voice changes. The way you got to motivate changes with your ice time decreasing. Christopher Stieg is our guest here on Sportsnet 960. Are you at all surprised to see some of the names still out there? Hoffman still without a deal. Uh, we're kind of wondering, Travis Hamanick, what the situation is with him. Uh, still some names out there for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of names. and that's, that's the thing going into this free agency. I didn't know how much money they were going to be able to pay guys. So, you see some guys getting paid and I'm like, holy cow, what is going on here? And then you still see some guys not getting paid that can score and that can do things. And I understand everyone wants certain role players and there's a premium on some of those guys now. But yeah, that's like to Foley for 4 million a year. You know, I thought he was going to get like in a real, I guess, free agency world. He'd probably get closer to five and a half. And you're seeing guys get shorter years, whether it be Hall and all these guys so this whole pandemic has definitely changed the landscape but still some guys are getting money where you're like wow that's i I would never like radko gudas why Mm -hmm. did they have to pay him that much money for that long yet there's guys out here that aren't getting paid at all so i i didn't understand that contract at all you ever think you'd see one-year deals for the likes of like tyson berry and Taylor Hall, I know Barry's stock's fallen in the last year, but a year ago you would have said, oh, those would be two of the top free agents. 100%, yeah. And even if it wasn't for, say, COVID wasn't here, Tyson would have got at least a two- or three-year deal for sure, I would think, from someone, especially a team maybe looking to get into the playoffs that just needs a power play quarterback. So, yeah, it's these one-year deals. I think you might see that with Hoffman again and these other guys start to trickle in one max two-year deals, and if it's two years, it'll be low money. You played in Toronto, and we're seeing a lot of, we're kind of having fun with it, but, you know, Wayne Simmons wants to go back home, so he goes. Joe Thornton, Jason Spezza, everybody wants to go back home, and now 
uh, TJ Brody, in a way, is going back home. You know Brody, you know the way he plays, but you also know how that market can be. How do you anticipate Brody fitting in, or I I guess just the the comfort level he might have there with the Leaf media and with Leaf fans? Uh, I think he'll be fine. I think Brody is a pretty level-headed dude. Not too much affects him. He's He's probably one of the most chill guys I've ever played with. And I think that's at times why I guess media could be angry with him is just sometimes the lackadaisical plays. But if he's put in the right scenario and he's given the right player to play with uh, on most likely a second D pairing, someone who can help skate the puck up and almost be that, uh, who was the guy they had? That did, Jake Gardner? Name? Nick Gardner. Yeah, Jake Gardner. Sorry. Yeah. Someone, you know, who's going to do that. Gardner would be more of a power play guy. I think Brody's a better defender than Gardner, but someone who can really skate the puck and make good first passes, that that could be his role. And if he can sink into that second D pairing with a good partner, I think it could go pretty well for him. But the fans need to level their expectations. They're not getting a top power play guy. They're getting a guy who can play on the second unit and a guy who can skate the puck and make good first passes so that they don't have to defend in their zone as long. Did they, did they love you out there? Were you a, a media darling? No. Yeah, no. Um, they thought they got uh, Doug Gilmore and they got Doug Glatt. So it was, uh, it was you know, my first. We just won the Stanley Cup in uh, 2010. And I literally, my equipment went from Chicago's room to Toronto's room, basically, at the end of August. And then I got there in the first 11 games. I had one assist and I came downstairs and my car was spit all over and wrote, you suck in it. Uh, and then actually after that, I went on a heater and then I got traded, go figure. But, uh, yeah, so it, it, it's funny. It, it's funny how they can love you one second because the, the fishbowl type atmosphere, and then they can love you again. And then, you know, you get traded and you're hated. So, I, I mean, it's, uh, it, was an, it was a fun time. I had a lot of fun there. It's just we weren't a great team and we weren't winning. So that, it made it a little difficult. Well, you said you didn't like playing in Florida because you'd need to know, you need to check your heartbeat and see if you were alive because the crowd was so dead. You didn't have to worry about that there. Well, I, you know what? I love Florida, too, like especially my first year. But as the years go on, I think, and there is no fans there, like my second year and then third year, that's where it can really drag on a player where you need that that atmosphere, that fan atmosphere, that support. Um, it times a game's a big hit or a 1-1 game where everyone's on the edge of their seat, not where there's no one in the stands and you're literally asking your line mate to slap you in the face to wake you up with five minutes to go in the third period. What was the most awkward trend? Because you, like you say, you go from Chicago, then right into Toronto, and then you go to Philly, then you're in Florida, then back to Chicago. And I'm looking here, it's Carolina, LA, and Calgary in three consecutive years. What was the the weirdest or most uh, maybe uncomfortable isn't the right word, but the the odd transition for you? Um, I think I think Toronto to Philly was really strange. It uh, I, again, I I was playing very well in Toronto at that point, and Berkey kind of came to me and said that they needed draft picks and they needed to make a change. So I was traded to the team that I just played in the Stanley Cup Finals the year before. And kind of getting in that locker room and knowing the things that we said to each other and, and how hard we played, it was definitely awkward and strange. And then trying to go out there and be comfortable in a new situation on a new team that was trying to win a Stanley Cup, was it was a learning experience and it was very difficult all at the same time. And I definitely didn't play my best hockey. You went from Toronto to Philly for a first and a second, for a first and a third, and then you went from the Flyers to uh, Florida for a second and yeah. a third. So Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. 
Yeah, pick it was, uh, yeah, just throwing picks around. <laughs> <laughs> Got to have what, versus Stig. You, uh, you know the Chicago organization well. What can you tell us about Kirby Doc and Adam Boquist? Because uh, you know we talk, they've used the word "our rebuild," but they didn't go full in on it. But those are guys that have to be pretty close that they got to think very highly of. Yeah, I think highly of them both. I know Boquist. I believe will be more of he could run a top unit. He's he's to me like a Tyson Berry. You know, he won't probably be the most elite defender but he's going to be a player that could probably play on a second D pairing. He's got high skill and he can run a power play unit. And then Kirby doc, the ceiling is obviously still growing and rising and he's a big kid, talented. And we actually, we have the same agent as well. So I got to skate with him when he was 17. So he was already a man at 17. You could see that he was physically dominant and uh, he could do things that I hadn't seen many 17 year olds able to do. So uh, he, he, his roof and all that is still growing and growing and we'll see I think in another couple of years where Kirby Doc will be and what kind of player he'll be, I think he can get into the first line center role and, and carry. And I don't know so much about carry a team. You would hope he could carry a team based on the guys that he, he was compared to when they were drafting, whether it be Getzlaff or Eichel, obviously those guys are elite elite. Um, maybe one day he could get close to that or somewhere like that. Uh, that those are still answers to be answered over the next few years, but he has the ability to get there. Have a good week, man. Good to talk to you. Take care of yourself. For sure. Take care, guys. You bet. There's Christopher Stig out in Ontario. All right. There we go. Uh, earlier today with uh, Boomer, Ryan Pinter, and Rhett Warner, Christopher Stieg, always on Wednesdays right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We are live doing our thing in the snow from the Iconic uh, Studio here in downtown Calgary, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. Doing our thing. We've got a, a busy show uh, coming up at 1 o'clock. We call it The Big Show. Peter Klein is going to host it for us. And what have you had planned for this particular program coming up in the next few minutes here? Well, we have uh, John Bender coming on to let us know what's going wrong with the Dallas Cowboys. Hopefully the answer will be longer than, well, everything. Uh, also looking at the impact star players can have after uh, Mookie Betts' fantastic World Series performance. And as always, we have three burning questions and it's snowing outside. So we'll have to get into a bit of the snow show as well. It, it seems very fitting today to have something called the snow show. Absolutely. And of course, at uh, two o'clock. Uh, Pat Steinberg, Will Nolt will join things. We've got Game 2 of the World Series coming up at uh, 6 o'clock and a whole bunch more right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.